Open with me to Amos, chapter 9. Amos, chapter 9, one of the minor prophets. We call them that not because, of their, not because they're less significant, but because they're, they're just smaller, shorter. I'm at Amos, chapter 9, and I, I just want to read three verses, and uh, if you're able, would you stand with me in honor of God's word? Chapter 9, verse 11. In that day, I will restore David's fallen shelter. One translation reads the tabernacle. One reads David's fallen tent. But in that day, I'm going to restore David's fallen shelter. And he said, I will repair its broken walls or its broken places, and I will restore its ruins, and I'll rebuild it as it used to be. I love that. And so that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations that bear my name, declares the Lord, who will do these things. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by the one treading grapes. And new wine will drip from the mountains and flow from all the hills. And I want to read verse 11 one more time from the New King James Version. It reads like this, On that day I will raise up the tabernacle of David which has fallen down and repair its damages. And I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. And so I want to talk to you this morning about the good old days. How many of you miss the good old days? Let's pray. I thank you, Father, for your word of hope and your word of promise to us. I thank you that you are the God who restores, the God who repairs, and the God who rebuilds. And today, Father, we stand in your presence in honor of your word, and I ask that you would bless the reading of your word and that you would now send your word forth to all who will hear and let it serve your purpose and speak into the lives of your people and minister to every need of every hearer. And we give you honor and praise, and it's in Jesus' name we ask it. And everybody said amen. 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 You may be seated. <clears throat> The good old days. That is, a, that is a phrase or an expression that we use to refer to a time in life in the past when things were better than they are now in the present. It, it refers to a time when life was simpler, doesn't it? And th things were more pleasant than they are now. 
And I have a message today that I suppose I couldn't preach when I was a young man, at least not like I can now that I'm older. And at first it may seem like just a message for the older people who are watching and listening to my message, but really it's not. And to the younger generation who may be listening to me, let me say that you need to listen carefully and really hear what I have to say today, what God has laid on my heart for you. Because one day, these days that you're living right now will be your good old days. And you'll wish that somebody would have told you back then that these will one day be the good old days. So I'm telling you. So listen carefully to what God has put on my heart for you today. I remember when I was young, hearing my parents and grandparents and even, even my great-grandparents. I was privileged to know at least three of my great-grandparents. And I remember them sitting around talking about the good old days and how things used to be. And I didn't understand. They'd talk about work and home and family and church and how good things were back then. And I remember thinking, well, let's see. <clears throat> the way things used to be, you didn't have any indoor plumbing. You had no running water. If you, if you wanted a drink, you had to go dip it out of a well. I still remember my grandmother's dipper and if you wanted hot water, you had to build a fire in the stove and heat it on the stove. Anybody remember the good old days? And when it came to church, even the way church used to be just didn't sound very much like the good old days to me when I was young. I heard stories about having to go early to build a fire in the stove that sat in the middle of the church to warm the place up before people got there. And, you know, in, in a lot of places, all you had were brush arbors, brush arbors, just a, just a roof with no walls. And you had hard wooden benches and sawdust floors and no, no heating or air conditioning, just, just, just bugs and mosquitoes. I don't even know how you people were sanctified back then. <laughs> the good old days consisted of no such thing as the internet. I must admit, I think those probably were pretty good old days. There was no online shopping. And in, in most places, in fact, there wasn't even a Walmart. If, if you needed something from the store, you had to plan to make a trip into town, right? And then if you wanted to know something, or, or even if you just wanted to know how to spell something, 
you had to know how to go get a book and look it up in a book. And back in the good old days, there were no cell phones. Hallelujah. Don't y'all start a Jericho march on that one. Work couldn't find you if you weren't sitting by the phone. No cell phones. If the phone rang, you had to get up from where you were sitting and walk clear into the other room to answer it. And you didn't know who was calling until you answered it. But you had to walk in there and get the phone because it was attached to the wall, not your hip. And if you were fortunate enough to have a phone back then, it was probably on a party line. That's where everybody that lived out that way could listen in on everybody's conversations. I still remember my grandmother listening in on conversations. <laughs> She's in heaven and I hope she doesn't get me when I get there. <laughs> but back when I was young, the older people would just sit around and talk about how good things used to be. Back when life was simple and I just didn't understand it at the time. But I've lived long enough now to understand it. I hear myself say things like, I don't like it here. That doesn't mean I'm in a hurry to help God get me out of here. <laughs> but I have told him when you're done with me, I'm ready to come home. I hear myself say things like, you know, this world, I don't even feel like I belong here. I don't recognize this place. I miss how things used to be when life was simple and I didn't know so much pain. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I've gone through enough grief and seen enough evil in this world to last me for two lifetimes. And so I'm old enough now to preach this message. I've reached an age where I can look back on the good old days of my life, the way things used to be back before, you know, back before this happened, back before that happened, or before the world got so evil and so cruel. I can look back on a time when Life was simpler, and this world just didn't seem to be so chaotic and so crazy to me. But this message isn't just for the older people who are hearing me and reminiscing about days of old. God gave me a message for the old and the young. And to the older people, I'm going to say older to the older people who are hearing me, some of you have been longing for the good old days and the message to you is what God spoke through Amos. And it's this, they're coming. Hallelujah. I'm bringing back the good old days. Just hold on a little longer. And to the younger generation that's hearing me today, the message God laid on my heart is 
the message that God spoke to a young boy named Samuel who was ministering before the Lord under the old priest Eli. And it was during a time when old people were longing for the good old days. The Bible describes the time like this. In those days, the word of God was rare and there were not many visions. And so the older generation of his day were longing for the good old days. And God spoke to this young man named, this boy named Samuel. And he said, Samuel, I am about to do something that will make the ears of everyone who hears of it tingle. The Hebrew word that's translated as tingle carries the understanding of a vibration like when teeth are chattering with fear. And so to the younger generation, the older folks, just listen, and they're coming. The good old days are God's going to bring back the blessings of the good old days for you. But to the younger generation who maybe you haven't ever experienced it, you don't even know about it, you haven't been around long enough to remember the good old days, God's about to do something that's going to make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. It'll make the hair stand up on your arms, as we would say. So God's bringing back the good old days for the younger generation who believe in Christ. And I want to begin by introducing you to the main character of this passage of Scripture today. And then I'm going to talk to you. We're going to look at the message of hope to God's people. And then I'm going to end by showing you the blessing that God has promised us. And so let me begin just by introducing you to an old farmer named Amos. Amos lived during the time of two or three other prophets that you're probably familiar with. Their names were Hosea, Joel, and Isaiah. And although he was contemporary, a contemporary of those prophets, he was an older contemporary. He had been around, he had been around the block. He'd lived a few days. And interestingly, Amos did not start out as a prophet. But he was just a farmer from Tekoa, which was a small village in Judah, south of Jerusalem, and about five miles south of Bethlehem. In fact, he said, not only, not only was I not a prophet, he said, I wasn't even a prophet's son. But he was a shepherd who took care of sycamore fig trees. Just an old farmer who remembered how things used to be. And he lived in a time when the situation for the nation was not too unlike our own today. It was a time when on the surface, <clears throat> everything seemed to be going well for the nation. Businesses were booming, their boundaries were bulging, as it seemed like all was well and the nation was being blessed. The younger generation was filled with optimism in that day for the nation because everything seemed to be going their way. 
Everything looked good on the surface of things, but some of the younger people had not been around long enough to really remember the way things used to be. In the days when God's people really lived in obedience to God. Is this familiar to anybody? So the younger generation, I'm sure when they heard the old people like this old farmer talk about holiness and righteousness and obedience to God, they thought it just all sounded out of date and ridiculous because on the surface, everything seemed to be going well. They were just too young to understand what was meant by the good old days when God was really blessing his people because of their obedience. But although things looked good on the surface, the nation was actually steeped with injustice. Greed was everywhere and they were in constant rebellion against God. And Amos was old enough to remember a time when it wasn't like that. He was old enough to remember how things used to be before the people turned away from God. And he was old enough to recognize that these days were not as good as those days. Amen. In fact, he was old enough to understand and to recognize that gradually over the years, God's people had just drifted further and further away from the things of God until now they were just going through really just religious motions. And because of their religious motions and how things seemed to be good, they really just had this false sense of security. They were hypocrites. And they had just grown, by the way, increasingly callous to the disciplining hand of God. At this point in time, you know, they'd become so hardened that it seemed like nothing, not drought, not famine, nor plagues of death, it seemed like nothing would bring God's people to their knees. To a lot of people, they thought things looked good and that things were going well, but others were missing the way things used to be. And the younger generation that had not lived long enough to even know how things used to be are often the most critical of the older folks who've been around a while and remember what it was like before you had a cell phone or who remember what it was like back when things were different. And so God needed someone who was willing to bear the burden of telling people about those good old days. Someone to bear the burden of warning people of the coming of God's judgment on their sins. So God began to stir the heart of just this old farmer 
whose name is derived from the Hebrew word, uh, root amas, which means to lift or to carry a burden. So his name literally means burden bearer. Are you hearing me this morning? There are some who just roll their eyes when they hear you talking about the way things used to be. But they don't know. They don't remember how things were back in the day before our advances in technology corrupted the hearts and minds of young people by opening a door to a world of evil they previously did not know. They don't remember how families used to stick together through thick or thin back in the good old days when families were not so fractured and broken. There's a generation of young adults who never lived when blue laws kept stores closed on Sunday so everybody could go to church and worship God together and the children had no say in whether or not they went. The next generation just can't remember because they, they, they don't know what morals used to be like. Back when children lived sheltered lives as little boys and little girls. And when some things were so immoral that you just didn't even speak about it in a public place. And now the filth of immorality is everywhere out in the open and available to all ages. And God is looking for burden bearers. People who've been around long enough to know and remember how things used to be back in the good old days. Back when moms and dads would get up and take their children to Sunday school and church on Sundays and Back when families would bow their heads and pray together. Back in the day when character mattered. And when people were trying to live a, a good life in obedience to God. And those people who were doing that weren't considered narrow-minded and intolerant. God is looking for burden bearers who are willing to prophesy to this next generation of the coming of God's judgment on wickedness. Men and women who will tell those who come after them about how things used to be back when God was really blessing this nation. When we weren't afraid to pray in school and we weren't afraid to read scripture from the Holy Bible in public schools. Back when that was considered good and right and normal. And God's looking for some Amoses who are willing to lift up the burden of prophecy and carry it to the next generation. Is anybody feeling the call? You say, well, I'm not called to be a minister. Amos was just a farmer. Let me show you, secondly, the message of hope to God's people in verse 11 and a little bit in verse 12. 
Amos became a prophet, and most of his prophecies were really prophecies warning them of the impending judgment of God. In fact, he is known as the prophet of doom. How would you like to just be minding your own business, out farming your own land? And God calls you to bear a burden, and the next thing you know, you're known everywhere as the prophet of doom. And he was known as that because he just squarely confronted God's people about their sinfulness and the nearness of God's judgment. He even likened them, listen to this, one of his prophecies, he likened them to a basket of rotting fruit that was ripe for judgment because of their spiritual indifference. I wonder if anybody said, go back to farming, old man. Chapter 9 opens with a vision in which he saw the Lord standing by the altar. And he goes on to prophesy of the coming destruction of God's people. Well, that's not a sermon you want to hear preached. This is what he said. I will shake the house of Israel among all the nations as grain is shaken in a sieve and not a pebble will reach the ground. All the sinners among my people will die by the sword. But suddenly in verse 11 of that same chapter, the message of this prophet changes like, like turning a corner or like the dawn of a new day as he speaks of the restoration of God's people. And now there are two things I want to do right here. First, remember that a lot of prophecy has both a near and a far meaning or application to it. So while this certainly applies to the fall of the kingdom of David, it also speaks to the restoration of David's kingdom, which is the kingdom of Christ. And I want to show you that this is not just a message of hope for an ancient people who lived thousands of years ago. But it's actually a message of hope for you right now, today. So notice there are two phrases or, or statements that actually serve like bookends, one at the beginning and one at the end of this message of hope to God's people. The first bookend goes like this, in that day, and the next bookend at the other end is, all the nations that bear my name. That doesn't sound like we're just talking about David anymore. The first phrase leaves one to wonder what exactly what day is that day. And that is rather answered by the second phrase and a probably, probably a closer rendering to the Hebrew text would be, everyone over whom my name has been called. In that day, I'm going to do this for everyone over whom my name has been called. You see, I've read the whole Bible. 
And in Revelation, John saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. And he said the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in that city and his servants will serve him. And he said they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. And God said, in that day, I'm going to do this for everybody over whom my name has been called. And if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, he's called his name over you. Amen. And to be very clear about this, and to really answer the question of what day, we find in Acts chapter 15, as James is speaking to the council at Jerusalem regarding a dispute that arose when uncircumcised Gentiles were converted and became members of the church, the body of Christ. In verses 16 and 17, in making his case that the church is open to Jew and Gentile alike, to everyone who believes in Jesus, James quoted Amos chapter 9, verses 11 and 12, therefore applying this message of hope, not just to an ancient people who lived thousands of years ago, but to the church, the born-again believers right now today. So while the near understanding of this prophecy applies to the kingdom of David, The far away understanding of this prophecy is that it casts its shadow forth on the coming of the church. So interpreted spiritually, this message of hope is literally for the body of Christ, the believers, and that's you and me. So now that we know who, now that we know it applies to us right now in this lifetime that we are living, let me show you the message of hope that God gave to his people and especially to those who are longing for those good old days. Notice with me the words that Amos used to describe your life. He described it as a fallen shelter. Or the Hebrew can even mean of a fallen hut or a fallen tent. I like tent because isn't that exactly what your body is described as in the New Testament? We live in a tent. Tents are made for temporary shelter. Nobody wants to live forever in a tent. Hallelujah. Some translations call it David's tabernacle that's fallen down. Maybe, maybe you're hearing me today longing for the good old days before your life just fell apart or before your shelter just fell down. Maybe you long for the way things used to be when your shelter stood firm in the storms. But now maybe you've been through some hard times and you feel your life has just fallen in like an old building. Secondly, notice with me the words broken walls. One translation says broken places. 
And maybe you've lived long enough that you remember the days before life left you broken. And some of you that are listening to me have had a lot of broken places in your life. Friends that walked out on you. Someone you trusted who betrayed you. Or maybe you've been broken by sorrow and grief. And God spoke through Amos to give you a message of hope for your brokenness. And the third word that he uses is the word ruins. And someone who's listening to me today who's been through such tremendous struggles and storms and difficulties, it just seems that your life is literally in ruins. That word speaks of something beyond the hope of ever being able to make anything out of it again. When something is in ruins, it's like you don't have anything to work with to make anything out of it. And these people stood there with lives that were just falling in, falling apart. Their lives were full of broken places and nothing seemed to be left but ruins. But notice the three words in the message of hope for God's people. God said in that day, the day of the church, I will restore what has fallen. Restore. And in that day, I will repair its broken places. And what you think is just ruins, I'm going to rebuild the ruins. And it will be in that day, the day of Christ and his church. Understand that God is talking about you and me and the body of Christ. I know life has left a lot of people fallen and I know there are a lot of broken places and it may seem like there's nothing left but ruins. But God said in that day, I will restore those who are fallen down and repair the brokenness in your heart. And I'm going to take what seems like nothing but ruins in your life and I'll rebuild it into a life that's fruitful and meaningful. Isaiah said it like this in speaking of what God would do in the lives of his people. He said, you will be called, you, God, will be called repairer of broken walls. And you'll be called the restorer of streets to dwell in. And it's not just cities that God builds. It's not just buildings that he restores, it's lives. It's people. God can take the most ruined broken down life and he can rebuild it. He can restore it into something wonderful. And he invites people to bring him their ruins. Just bring him your brokenness because he's the repairer of broken walls and the restorer of streets to dwell in. And finally... I talked to you about an old farmer who became a prophet. I talked to you about 
this message of hope that he brought to a generation who didn't know the good old days. So now let me talk to you about one more thing, just very briefly, and it's the blessing. The blessing that's coming when he brings back the good old days. Some of you, myself included, have been missing those good old days. I sometimes long for how things used to be. You wish you could just go back to a time when things were good, back before life left you broken. And at the end of verse 11, notice the words there. God said, I'm going to rebuild it as in the days of old or as it used to be. And then he tells them in verse 13 what's coming in the days ahead like the days of old. And I told you, some of you have been longing for the good old days, and the message to you is what God spoke through Amos 13, through Amos in verse 13, they're coming. I'm bringing back the good old days. Just hold on a little longer, because the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman, and the planter will be overtaken by the one who treads the grapes. And new wine will drip from the mountains and flow from all the hills. You see, God had first promised this blessing back in the days, back in the days, the good old days of Moses. In Leviticus chapter 26, verses 3 through 5, he said, that if they would obey God, he would send them rain and their ground would yield its crops. And God said this, your threshing will continue until grape harvest and the grape harvest will continue until planting season and you will eat all the food you want and live in safety in your land. Now those were the good old days. That was back the way things used to be. And now God says through Amos, if you're longing for the good old days, those days are coming, days of blessing, when the one who is reaping will be reaping so much for so long, the harvest will be so plentiful that he will still be reaping a harvest when plowing season comes back around. And the harvest or the blessing will come so quickly that no sooner than the planter gets the seed in the ground, the one who treads the grapes will have to gather them. The planter will be overtaken by the one who treads the grape harvest. That's some fast growth. I, I think I'd like to see that kind of blessing again. How about you? The kind of blessing that literally overtakes you. That's some good times. I've heard people say, if I could only go back in time when life was simpler, before, before this happened in my life or before that happened, 
back to a time when life was good and I was young and healthy. If I could only go back to the good old days. Well, you don't have to. Just look in front of you because they're coming. And to the older people hearing me who've been longing for those days, the message to you is what God spoke through Amos. They're coming. I'm bringing back the blessings of those days. Just hold on a little longer because I'm going to restore what has fallen down, repair the broken places, and I'll rebuild the ruins of your life. I promise I'm coming. And to the younger generation that's listening to me today, I'm telling you now that these are your good old days. But in the days ahead, you're going to be going through some hard times. And your life might be like a fallen tent. And in the days ahead, you may find that life has left you a lot of broken places. And down the road a ways, you may feel like all you have left are ruins. But the message that God wants me to give you is the message he spoke to that young boy named Samuel who was ministering in a time when the old people were longing for the days when God's word was not rare. God said, I'm about to do something that will make the ears of everyone who hears of it tingle. So he will restore, he will repair, he'll rebuild your life. Nothing is too ruined. I've long since forgotten her name, but she attended a church that I worked at many years ago. It was a large church and there were a lot of people whose names I did not know, but I knew her story. And to look at her on Sunday as she stood on stage and sang. She was one of those few people I know or ever knew that could sing and smile and cry all at the same time. When I cry, I can't smile. I'm, I'm a blubbery crier. But she, she could smile with tears flowing down her face as she sang to God in front of a thousand people. But I knew her story. She had been a drug addict and had lived in prostitution. Her life was fallen. But one day she brought her ruins to Jesus Christ. Because he is the repairer and the restorer. And I would see her stand on our stage and sing with tears flowing and a smile on her face. Now she was a wife and a mother saved by the blood of Jesus. 
because he had rebuilt her life. And nobody's life is too ruined that the great restorer cannot fix it. And in that day, blessings will overtake the righteous. Mm. How many of you needed this? Don't be afraid to be the prophet to the next generation. Don't be afraid to bring him your runs. Stand with me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You feel God's presence? I love being in his presence. Hallelujah. God, I have as best as I could given your message to your people. My goodness. I grow tired of this world some days. I tire of the brokenness I see in people's lives and in nations. Hallelujah. But God, as we stand in your presence, we know that you truly are the restorer of things that are broken and fallen in and you are the repairer of broken places. I pray God that you'll begin to bring back those good old days. Let it come, let it come, let, let it come Lord. We look for your coming. I pray for those who've heard this message that have broken lives and nothing but ruins. I pray that this day they would call out your name. Let your name be, be called out over them. The name of Jesus that's above every name. That they would accept you, Lord, as their Savior. And that they would bring their ruined lives to you. And I pray that you would repair and restore. Hallelujah. God, those that have, are missing the way things used to be, I pray that you would stir their hearts and put your words in their mouth and let them proclaim it to the generation behind them. That you will judge sin and unrighteousness in this earth and that you're coming back to set up a kingdom when you will reign in righteousness and we shall reign with you. Let us be the voice in this earth let us not be silenced. God, I give you praise for what you are about to do in the lives of your people. Thank you, Jesus. I give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen.